0: Mute science is the revolution.
1: Reading all you weirdos, crackhoans, and people who feel like their heart has been ripped out because their podcasting co host decided to leave them, <laughs> to record two issues that he did not want to prepare for. But uh, fortunately, Matt Razor, a uh, friend of the show and a uh, fellow mm-hmm. member of the Get Fresh crew, decided to join us again. Yep. And funny enough, <laughs> these are the exact same two books that. Uh, you recorded with me last time that we were exactly dual hosting this stream. So serendipity, man. Yep. How Happy to be here. Good, going? good. Happy to be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week we are going to cover X Force number forty six. Yep. And X Men Red. Some is it seventeen? Yes, seventeen. Oh, good. My brain is working. Excellent. Um, we're going to go with X Force first because uh, I don't know how, how you felt cool. about it, but. Um, the Ben Percy issues tend to be my least favorite of the two, and I like to kind of end on a positive.
2: Yeah, get it out of the way early. Yeah,
1: this wasn't terrible. It was it was fine. It's a you know mediocre Ben Percy story, but uh, let's get into this. So we have X Force forty six, written by Ben Percy, art by Robert Gill, um, colors by Guru FX. And designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen. Hopefully, I, I said all those names correctly. Yep. <laughs> uh, and if you recall what was going on in this issue, we had uh, Colossus, who um, was mind controlled to enter into some dimension, uh, some weird dimension. Um, mm-hmm. And then everybody the X Force team decided to go try to rescue him, I guess. Yep. And Mikhail captured everybody and was torturing them, I guess. And then they what they they captured some member of Orcas, brought him into the Dimension, and the Chronicler decided to use that as his moment to try to escape Mikhail's control by writing a story which had the chronicler shoot Mikhail. And
2: so now he's dying. He's,
1: yeah, so now he's dying and he teleports himself to Colossus's realm, and that's where the issue, I guess, start starts out. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I'm really unclear this whole issue, what's going on, right? Because the idea was this dimension that they are in is under Mikhail's control and it's like a space between atoms or something like that, that only exists if Mikhail's alive. So it's sort of falling apart.
2: Yeah. that You see everything kind of like uh, disappearing as he gets worse off, you know, as, as he's dying, they, they have to get those other guys out of that dimension or else they'll die too. Yes.
1: So he shows up, um, he's talking to... Colossus, and kind of, I don't know what he's doing. Repenting?
2: Yeah, he's, like, explaining himself. Yeah, he's looking back on his life a little bit and they're having a brother time, I guess, as he's dying.
1: Yeah, and it's, it seems to be, like, this weird, tough Russian thing, yeah, I guess, yeah. where Mikhail's like, of course I love you, but that doesn't matter. I need to do what I need to do, and um, feel bad for me because I'm the older brother, but you were the one that everybody valued more than me, and so I had to become a bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I really don't understand his motivation here. I don't Yeah, know if that no made mention any more of his sister
2: at all. If you ever notice, they don't really ever talk about her. Eliana, very sexist.
1: <laughs> but yeah, basically, he seems to be saying like, "Oh, Colossus, you need to you know change sides and get on board with." Team Mikhail because now everybody's gonna view you as the traitor because of all the stuff that you did. You know, manipulating the Quiet Council into kind of dissolving,
2: etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, he's uh, he's not in a good position for uh, having anybody trust him at this point, even though he was controlled, you're right, it's gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, and that part's
2: interesting. I think that's
1: good. Mm-hmm. And then Colossus decides to choke him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean he's angry, right? I think he wants to get his revenge, he's gonna kill him, and then This is the part, right, I mean, we're still not entirely clear on what Mikhail's abilities do, but he seems to be able to patch his heart up Mm -hmm. or his bullet wounds with his magic green squares.
2: Yeah, he healed himself there, yep.
1: Yeah, so he starts doing that, and he seems to be back, and then, you know, we get pages and pages of the brothers fighting, and eventually, Colossus kind of pretends that he's becoming subservient to Mikhail, and... Mikhail approaches him, and then I guess he gets close enough that Blossoms
2: can punch through his chest and take out his heart. Yeah, he actually ripped his heart out, which is pretty crazy. A little over the top for. I mean, I can understand you killing your brother in this situation, but ripping his heart out—try to heal from that, buddy. Yeah, yeah I guess that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. So
1: this this part pretty cool. I guess good good finishing maneuver. What I don't understand here, because you know Mikhail falls back, and we see it looks like his body kind of dissolving into green squ- squares
2: mm-hmm. but the realm exists long enough for the team to eventually escape yeah because dr strange pulls them out i guess at the last possible second At the right realm. time yeah okay so i guess strange was keeping it open somehow yeah i mean while, while uh these guys are fighting colossus and his brother are all fighting they kind of cut to the other realm where they're being held together you can see everything falling apart and they got to get out of there and they're having to fight those uh nesting dolls i guess a... Yeah, yeah. So the other the other half of the story being yeah. the you know, what the other team are doing. They're basically Well, they're in yeah, they're inside. This is going on at the same time that their the fight is going on between the brothers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And strangely, we were we were both talking about this, you know, before I hit record. Mm-hmm. Deadpool just shows up out of the blue. Because <laughs> <laughs> There's a point where it looks like uh Domino and um I don't remember who, this other person. Yeah, Wolverine. Yeah, they're basically about to get Defeated by the next 23
2: Wolverine, yeah. Y- yeah.
1: And then Deadpool shows up because it's Deadpool. It's a
2: true deus ex machina, right? I mean, he shows up to the last possible section sec- second and saves everybody. Yeah. And it's not explained why <laughs> or how. Yeah. And we had just seen in the last issue where he basically was like, eh, I don't Yeah, wasn't like- he sitting by the pool or something? And he's like, yeah, I got Uncanny Avengers stuff going on. I don't need you guys. I work for Captain America now.
1: Yeah. But, but he showed so. up. to show up. Yep, and kick some butt. Yep. <laughs> uh, which I guess, if you're gonna have a character just sort of arbitrarily, you know, appear, I guess Deadpool's not the the wrong one to use for that, but it did feel like a bit of a cop out. Mm-hmm. Yep. The team gets out, and everyone's rescued, and then they're I guess, the last moment is everybody pointing guns at Blossom because they still think he's a traitor, and then we get a data page. Which, if you want to explain that, you're telling me what that yeah. said.
2: <laughs> Basically, is it's uh, the chronicler talking about how he's changing and he wants to be a part of the on the good side, you know, and all that stuff. But basically, as far as Colossus is concerned, they're going to rehabilitate him in some way. They're obviously not going to kill him. They're not going to fully trust him, but they're going to welcome back into the X Men while watching him, close watch on him, basically. <laughs> and that's that's how they end the issue on a on a data page. It was a little weird. But yeah, that is a
1: strange ending, and I would also say sort of. Uh, Convenient, like, oh yeah, you betrayed us, but we'll put you on a probationary membership of the team.
2: I mean, I, I even think they gave him. Yeah, I know he was controlled, but I think they even gave him too much power, which was odd for Colossus because he never was, in my opinion, one of those guys that would be necessary to a leader. Uh, yeah, I agree know. with you.
1: I never, when he was on the Quiet Council, it made no sense. Yeah, to, it was just other than he sort of asked for uh-huh. it. But I don't think anybody's ever like, "Hey, Colossus, what should?" But we it was, do it was very this? uncharacteristic.
2: That's why I'm surprised anybody went along with it because. He's not normal he's not he's just the strong guy on the team, you know.
1: Yeah, the simpleton, mm-hmm. right? He's Sort of like the well, they they <laughs> salted <of> the earth. <laughs> he's a
2: little bit over that. Now he's a painter and and all that, like a poet type. But um, you're right. He's more he's more the the brawn on the team.
1: So that's it. <laughs> sort of a. I think I read it in about five minutes. It was quick. It was mostly fighting. We talked about this, you know, about the same length of time that took me to finish the issue, and I mean, it was a
2: typical Ben Percy thing with the nesting dolls being kind of gross. Oh, they were especially gross in this issue too. I just they were going inside of a domino's mouth and and uh, Deadpool had to do the Heimlich to get it shoot it out of her mouth and all kind of crazy stuff going on. It's like you had to get those nesting dolls back in here for one last shot, you know.
1: And they're they're a creepy villain and yet it, to me they almost feel like too strong because they sort of just infinitely appear, right? Yeah. Does one of the,
2: does when they appear? Do they they feel pain and are are they sentient or like do they know what's going on or are they just happy to die like that? It's it's odd. Or are they robots? I don't remember what they are, but they have hopes and dreams. But they're, as soon as they're born, they're dead. It's crazy,
1: strange, yeah. strange, strange. So yeah, um, it was all right, but I don't know. I, I don't care so much about this. I'm really checked out on X Force at this point, and I'm happy. Probably deserves better than a
2: five five, so I'll give it a six, but. I can't yeah. say that I'm that excited to read it. I'd go six point five. 6.5. Uh, I'm just happy to see the Colossus stuff somewhat uh, resolved. thought that was getting a little long in the tooth, that whole thing. And maybe the Chronicler can be an interesting addition to the X-Men. If he does uses his powers <laughs> in like a good kind of way, who knows?
1: Yeah, he can write some
2: stories about Orcus. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, 6.5 for me. Yeah,
1: I think what I'm most interested about going forward is now that this is wrapped up, X-Force could, what, turn their attention to the current state of things where, you know, the mutants are kind of on the run and Orcus has kind of gained supremacy.
2: Get involved with that, maybe a covert team to try to take it out or something, is what X-Force really is. That's what they led us to believe, at least. Yep. <laughs> All right, so then we'll yeah. uh, we'll turn over to the main event,
1: the <laughs> X-Men Red number 17. And I call this the main event, but um, again, I'm going to be a little a little down on this issue. It's not a bad issue, but It's a little slow issue uh, in my mind Mm -hmm. Um, for a book that usually delivers on sort of big events that seem like they're moving the story along pretty quickly. This feels like a lot of pages that not a lot happens, but the dialogue moments are okay. And uh, I guess we, at the end, get the big Storm Genesis showdown kind of lined up to happen. So um, it almost felt like they had to like just pad in some stuff to... Keep the pacing with whatever. Yeah,
2: it's is. interesting how they go about pulling it all together. I wasn't expecting that, but it was interesting. I mean, Storm's still pretty overpowered. I know you guys, you guys love that. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. That was going to be my, my sort of joke
1: intro, as a, <laughs> a comment about Storm. The one thing I was thinking about that is it's possible that all of this is leading up to like, Storm actually dying, which would be kind of interesting, right? Like they
2: built her up so much to make
1: her seem like impossible. It almost feels like she's heading towards a cliff. Yeah, I mean, of- it's.
2: I think you could, and then you could kind of normalize her powers when you bring her back. Yep. But right now, she's very, very overpowered. Yes,
1: she can do pretty much anything.
2: So, uh, this
1: is X-Men Red number 17, The Avatar of Life by um, Al Ewing with artist... Um, oh, my God, this is going to... Yildare Cinar. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Yildare Cinar. Obviously, that's how you say that. And colors by Federico Blee And... Uh, Designed by Tom Muller and Jay Bowen.
2: No love for the letterers from Ruben. Everybody skips right over them. <laughs> I know.
1: I, I'm a jerk like that.
2: I just don't appreciate the high art that is
1: the letterer. Which <laughs> feel free to write letters to me, man. I know. I'm sure this is a really, really hard job, and I appreciate. Uh,
2: I don't know all the hard all the hard work that goes
1: into <laughs> it. We appreciate it. But it's sort of like it's one of those positions in comics where like you don't really notice it unless it's awful, mm-hmm. and then you really notice it. But I've I've never been sort of sold on a story based on, you know, the quality of the lettering. Uh, But anyway, so X-Men Red, if if we recall, you know, Genesis in the last issue sort of um, opened a portal to Amenth and her demon horde kind of poured out and started kicking the butts of Storm's Mm Krakowans. And it's kind of where we pick up in this issue. Oh, and I guess the other thing is we saw um, Apocalypse um, show up. At the uh, the land of the Autumn Palace on Araco, which is where, um, what's that Summers brother's name? I can't remember what his code name is. Uh Vulcan! Vulcan. Thank you. Yeah, it never it never like registers because it's like the fire yeah, guy. Gabriel right? Summers. Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, Vulcan. Yeah, so Vulcan had basically been defeated by Storm and kind of imprisoned under the former Autumn Palace, which was Amita's kind of area on Araco. So, um, Apocalypse had shown up through the last, um, of those like one way Greco portals mm-hmm. um, with a mysterious hooded figure who we learned from X-Men was, Sunfire. Um, some fire. Yep. And I don't know the name of their demon buddy,
2: but yeah, that guy's pretty cool. Yeah. They'd mentioned his name on here. I can't remember what it is though. I, I think it's hilarious that he like just walks around with like a, what looks like a battering stuck out of his head. Yeah, I was like, did Batman throw a batarang and stuck out of his head?
1: You're right. <laughs> I don't remember that part of the battle, but uh, I also think he only keeps it in there so that he could be distinguished from like any other random Mementhi demon. Yeah, but uh, he's he's a pretty weirdo. His name's Orc. So Orc. Yeah. So we get we get uh, I think roughly roughly two parts of this story like they often do, and so the first part we see Storm kind of in a short term encampment, which looks like you know post demon appearance and her kind of team getting overrun. They've kind of fallen back to like a defensive position. Mm-hmm. And she's here um, and she's got the the key to Ornos and she's thinking like, do I activate this and you know, take him up on his offer to you know come to Araco and kill all of her enemies.
2: Yes, all of the enemy, enemies, whether they're good or they're bad, are all dead. Yeah, Ornos is
1: kind of a badass. I've, I've come around to like really like that character.
2: Yeah, but it, it, I can see they end up not using him, obviously, in this, but but I think it's probably a good play because you don't want to use him too much.
1: I just like, yeah, I'm fine with him just being like the evil voice because, you know, if somebody remembers this in five years, they can you know, make the other
2: decision and bring him out yeah. for some reason. You also have to put it in there, too, because you have then you have people saying, why didn't you just use Uranus? Kind of have to put it in there Assume so that she didn't use it. So
1: she's contemplating this decision. Do I, do I bust him out and utilize him? And then John Ironfire shows up, and um, they kind of talk about this decision, and uh, I guess he had been tipped off on what this thing was from Size of the Smoke, and it seems like he's like, this is a very easy decision, right? Like, you need to just call out Ernest so that, you know, our, our Legion cannot be defeated and killed, because we will be overrun by Genesis. Yeah. And... Uh, she's kinda holding it out there and he's about to grab it. He's like, If you can't make that tough decision, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that decision for you. And then Storm being The badass that she is. She just decides to like lightning the, the cube <laughs> and destroy it and deactivate it and then gives him the broken cube. Yep. Uh I was like, here, have have at it. <laughs> it's a pretty dramatic way to do it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, You could have just said, Nah, I'm not gonna use it <laughs> But I guess she didn't wanna have such a dangerous tool out there for people to use yeah i mean
2: so the the dilemma really being that it kills everybody so the the hundred guys working under um what's his name with the the hundred swords yeah white sword he's got a hundred people and they're all gonna die whether they're your friends or not and this guy is underneath him right that's one of his uh he
1: he was yeah but yeah but right before this when genesis started like rebuilding her army when she got the the um i would think that staff called Whatever the whatever the staff, whatever yeah. The staff yeah. yeah, the evil staff, mm-hmm. um, immense staff, or whatever. Um, I think that White Sword knew that she was coming to get the, the White Sword from White Sword, mm-hmm. and he released Iron Fire to go warn everybody.
2: Yeah, okay, yep, that's what happened. So he's yep. not part of the Hundred at this point, but he still doesn't want them to die, or all those people to die.
1: Yeah, they have like you know long history, mm-hmm. and he seems to either he at least respects them, but there may be some sort of like undercurrent of a romantic relationship between them hmm. at least that's what i'm picking up on okay and yeah so he has a conversation with storm and when she oh i guess i'd say one thing that's really interesting that that dialogue iron fire seems to think that genesis is not under the thrall of a myth mm-hmm. and that instead genesis's inherent nature which we've gotten some hints of especially in the conversations between genesis and Apocalypse that she just thinks conflict is what you have to have, and if you're not in that state, you're not living. Yep, he seems to be like, It's not that the helm is controlling her, or I guess the staff, it's not that the staff's controlling her, it's that she's using the staff to create war. Even during peacetime, she wants to create war, which I thought was very interesting because we always, at least my impression was, like, oh, tragic fate, she's back to um, being under his thrall, right? Mm-hmm. So Maybe the new sort of peace-loving apocalypse doesn't really understand his wife, that she's actually inherently a violent one, right? That their objectives in life cannot be harmonized. Yep. But Ironfire then then basically, you know, gets he's like, what did you do? That's so stupid. And then he says he's going to leave and go confront Whitesword on his own. And so he does. Um, he... Takes off and. All right, see you next time. Yeah, issue. that's the next issue. But <laughs> before we see that kind of conflict, then we see um, Sunfire. I can't remember his, Roberto's name, whatever his name is. Yeah, right? Or Sunspot? Sunspot, yeah. yeah. Sunspot. Sunspot, there we go. Roberto. Yeah. Yeah, so Roberto and Storm are having a conversation and they're like, hey, let's check in on Rich Rider because he, he is messed arrow up. From yeah. And he is apparently clinging on to life. I thought in the last issue they said he was dead. But I was like,
2: Oh man, that would have been huge. Yeah, the Nova force is holding them together somehow. But he's uh in a lot of pain and he's he's like mentally checked out, I guess is what they say. And it kinda looks like he's got like a
1: venom thing going
2: on. Like I think that's blood. Yeah. <laughs> no black blood. It's pretty gross. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's not he's not in a good place. Um, no. And then Apocalypse shows up out of the blue and at first everybody's thinking, is he with Genesis, right? Because of his history with her. Yeah, they're like, Oh my god, he's here. Oh god. Yeah. And I mean, there's some, there's some sort of cool just dialogue beats for me. So, you know, I, I hate to say this. I really hate to say this, but uh, Jason was right. Uh-oh. What was he right about? About what happened with death, you know, after he decided to kill Pestilence because she was interrupting the storm duel, it looks like. He just decided to join up with Storm and mm-hmm. her cohort. So, he's there. He's in this, this camp, and then he sees Apocalypse walking up. And he kind of, like, grabs Apocalypse. He's like, father. And then Apocalypse says, death, you've chosen this side then. You impress me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then this is the best part. So then he's like, oh, yeah, I killed my, my sister. That's so terrible, right? And then um, he's like, talk to me, talk to me. And then Apocalypse is like, life teaches. <laughs> like, that's an asshole thing to say. It's also kind of badass. And then he's like, "You have learned. Continue your lessons." I'm like,
2: "Such a, such a." It's weird to see somebody like Death, you know, trying to impress his father. You know, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So uh, Storm shows up, and
1: um, they start having this conversation, and he tells her that. What Arako needs is magic, and that she's magic, and blah, blah, blah. So, that sort of is the end of, of that scene. We cut over to Iron Fire, and this is another sort of badass moment where he's confronted the White Sword. And uh, as White Sword does, he decides to send his kind of legion of 100 up against anyone that's fighting him. Mm-hmm. And... Iron Fire starts counting <laughs> 90, 99, 98, 97, Who's next? As he kills them. Yeah. Yep. So it's it's really weird to me that he's like this much of a badass. Either the one hundred doesn't actually have a lot of good people on it, or I guess Iron Fire is just like the ultimate of the one hundred. But it, it made me uh, remember. Um, oh, what was his face? His name? Gorgon mm-hmm. in Exoswords when he when he fought the White Sword. Mm-hmm. And very similar, right? Like Gorgon had kind of like a last stand thing where he. You know, he was fighting most of the hundred, and I think he got through like twenty or thirty of them.
2: Yeah, he did. So a pretty, I'm curious—is that going to be the same thing here? It looks like they stop fighting after a 95 or something. But I mean, if he sends ten or fifteen at the same time, like what is what he wants to do? I think it'd be uh, pretty hard to beat him all at once. But I'm sure we'll see more of that later. That fight, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. So then
1: they cut back to Apocalypse, and he basically takes Storm to the Autumn Palace area and. He shows that he's gotten uh, Gabriel Summers out of the dirt. And we had seen in a separate scene that he cast some kind of spell on Vulcan and Mm -hmm. forced him to kind of do what Apocalypse wants him to do. And it looks like Apocalypse has created some sort of sigil on the dirt. And there's four spots for four different elements that have to stand on those spots. And then in the center, I guess... The power gets channeled to that person.
2: It's interesting that there's two suns and two moons on there. You would think there would be one of each and then two other different things. Yeah, I always
1: feel like the apocalypse magic side is is weird. Mm-hmm. They've been really pushing it heavily lately that he's kind of a wizard, but I have a hard time reconciling that with the old way that they really focused on him as kind of a science-based character. Mm-hmm. And I know he had sort of mystical powers through... Like celestial technology, but I always still felt it was like tech based, not spell based. Yeah, agree. But this is the thing they're doing now. And so yeah, so basically there's there's some kind of clever stuff where they talk about like who's what element, and then the hooded person uh, kind of takes off their hood, and as Jason predicted Oh <laughs> god <laughs> It's Shiro, and uh, there's a bit here that kind of irks me. I don't know if this, this was a thing for you, and I have some theories about this, uh-huh. but um, so he kind of takes off his robe, and we see Red Root is in his chest, yep. and he talks about how um, he says, Now I am the land Red Root grows in, and removing her would kill me. And I was like, Okay, wait a second. Like, didn't we see
2: Red Root get removed? Like in X-Men
1: in a very recent issue. Yes. Yeah. So I went back and I grabbed that last X-Men issue where he kind of like leaves from the X-Men infinity comic run mm-hmm. and kind of shows up in the regular X-Men title. And he does. He like rips, rips the freaking red root out of his chest. Yep. Yeah. And that's what like allows apocalypse, like uses the blood from that kind of maneuver to open the last Sakara gate to get to this place. And so I'm like, and, I, and right after that apocalypse heals him. So, I'm like, maybe Apocalypse fused Red Root into him. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. But, yeah. I was just like, this is really kind of either a continuity issue... Probably or... a continuity issue. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think and otherwise, it, it is this sort of like what we've seen in the past? I mean, this is the way I'd want it to be, like, as a cooler thing. You know, when Angel got turned into Arch- Archangel through Apocalypse's kind of science tech-type stuff. Like, does... Uh, Sunfire now has some sort of, like, different powers or, like, enhanced powers because of the work that Apocalypse has performed on him. Could be. Yeah. That'd be cool. I always like when Apocalypse, like, upgrades people because they, they seem to be slightly more badass. But, yeah, that's what we got. And, yep, so powers up Storm. And <laughs> so there's a part that I'm going to let you explain. <laughs>
2: You're asking me to explain that, pa- that like, montage page?
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell me. It looks like a, like
2: a fifth grader had like a <laughs> a homework where they had to paste a bunch of stuff on a page. I don't know. Yeah, this made no sense to me. And I, I don't. There's tomatoes on the
1: screen. I don't know what's going on. I don't think I'm the greatest like X Men authority. I actually know I'm not. Right. Like, there's probably some podcasts out there that could tell you like where every single one of these panels came from. I'm not that guy, but I usually have a sense of like what they're trying to get at. But they. Yeah, it's just, it's a collage with a bunch of pages of seemingly completely disconnected,
2: like, scenes. It's not even like... There's some Vulcan stuff, there's Apocalypse, there's Storm, a bunch of Storm. Yeah, I was like, is this, like, Storm's
1: past and we're supposed to, like, see how it all plays together in some way? I don't
2: think you read too much into it. I think those are definitely uh, pulled from actual comics, though. Yes. No, that's true. It's definitely, yeah.
1: It's almost like Al Ewing's, like, pulling back the page. He's like, oh, these are the comics I read before... <laughs> But I can't explain so the, the X Men
2: Red story. The yeah. flowers and the tomatoes is what I don't get. That's the everything. That's the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, anyways,
1: some some weird mystical sh- like nonsense happens, and then
2: uh, Storm is able to raise Kalek. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Why isn't his name just like I don't know? It's Arako. Why shouldn't it, it shouldn't just call just Arako? Because Krakoa when he takes that form is just Krakoa. I don't know. Kaorak.
1: Kaorak who makes this... it basically it's like a big giant um colossus a man made thing. out of an island. Yeah. A man-thing island, yeah. And Goddess Storm is in one of its eyes and she seems to be guiding it, and she stops up to Genesis and basically says, If you speak for you know, if you claim to speak for Arako then then get your big ass island up and fight me. <laughs> Yeah. Which is, which is a badass moment. I got to say, like, okay, fine. That's badass. But it also, on the flip side, as
2: you were kind of questioning earlier, like, irks me a bit that I'm like, come on. Yeah. Perfect storm. She can do, like, literally everything. Yeah, no, this is this is a great example of that. I, I did like when uh, Subinar, I guess, is talking to Genesis, and is it a he or she? They are like, I, I can feel it in my blood. It's coming because the blood is the water. I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, no, that was a really cool moment. And. I, I like that picture, right? When you see Kaorak, and then you see the tower, right? The scale is like, oh, damn, this thing is it's actually very, like, big. huge. Yeah, yeah. And Genesis's idea was interesting too. She kind of talks about like, oh, yeah, we're gonna finish off Storm, and then we're gonna, you know, build the, the ten towers of Irako, and I guess we're gonna challenge. We're like gonna goad the Orcus folks to come and attack us here, and like have their army destroyed on our spires. Seems to be like her only play is <laughs> build a bunch of towers, have people attack you. That's mm-hmm. that's what she wants out of life, which is a, kind of a funny obsession. But yeah, sort of, sort of a filler issue. Just kind of like getting everybody where they need to be for the big final showdown. Yes. And uh, I'm guessing this one definitely feels like it's wrapping up in my mind. Like there'll be a big battle, of one or two issues, if
2: not just one. And then the story's kind of... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the Araco stuff going forward. If they... Deal with it at all, or kind of just resets and goes back to regular Mars. Yeah, I'm really curious. That is a good. Point. I can't see them spending too much time on that uh in the new regime, but that's just my guess. It'll be like the um
1: oh god, was what's that alien race? That's like a plant race from Empire. They like kind of still exist, but like
2: I think they're still in the. Moon. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. Nobody ever mentions them. Uh-huh. <laughs> So there'll be like one little pocket of a people on Mars. That- I think what's going to happen now I'm thinking about it is people will escape somehow, not all of them, and basically Mars will be destroyed and back to normal, desolate Mars. I could buy it. So what would you give this issue? Um, for me, I'm not as uh, invested in this as you guys are. I like it. I think it was good. Uh, I'd give it a seven. That's actually where I'm netting out to. It-
1: it's fine. It's... Most of the value for this for me is like the distinct characters that Ewing has kind of created. Mm-hmm. And they all they all still seem distinct and they all have kind of fun conversations with each other. But this issue really not a lot happened. It was just sort of like, hey, we're all here. Let's let's talk and trade witty one liners and comments and get ready for the big final showdown.
2: I think the, the destruction of your the choice about Uranos is probably the biggest thing. It just kind of gets that out of the way. And then that magical spell that they did at the end. Which we, I guess, I don't even know what the point of that spell was. I thought it was to do something with the planet, make it like uh, green again or have more water or something. I don't know what was going on. I was hoping you would know, actually. <laughs> now let the living land be born.
1: I think it's just a spell to turn it into like a big...
2: It made the, the Kaorak. Kaorak's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, Kaorak's going to be around oh. for all of one issue,
1: yeah. so
0: don't get too attached. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's going to be the funny thing. I predict that this thing is like, it looks so massive, and I bet it'll last about two pages, yeah. and then it'll be defeated. <laughs> but anyways, all right, well, cool. Thanks for thanks for joining us. No and, problem. Uh, the
0: end. <laughs> Read more X-Men comics. There you go.